All right, intro in two minutes, go. God, don't put me on the spot. <laughs> it's going to cut off on you if you don't. Oh, shit. Are we at the timer? Okay. Yes. Hi, people. Welcome to another interview that I'm completely botching the intro of because Leah has rushed me. But besides that, we'll figure that out in therapy later on. Um, we are here to talk to another amazing artist, but this one's a little bit different, guys. This one is a sound engineer and producer, and you know me as the editor as the sound, the, the sound girl in a chair of this podcast, um, I was very excited to talk with her. And she gives some great nuggets of wisdom. So be sure to listen up. Other than that, I am Beth Ann. I'm Leah. And this is She Will Rock You. Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, pull up before I haul you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. This is She Will Rock You. So we are here with Elisa Nicholas. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Awesome. Thank we are you. so glad to have you on. So first things first, walk me through your musical journey up to this point. Sure. Uh, I was raised by Filipino parents and all over the place in the United States. So I think we started in maybe started somewhere here in Ohio and then moved to Georgia. And then I was actually born in Canada, which is so I'm actually Canadian, um, but raised mostly in the United States um, here in central. It's here in Ohio, in Cincinnati. And, you know, I had I was in part of this family that was really musical. Everybody nearly everybody plays an instrument. We need some people to listen, I guess, my dad and my brother. Uh, but we all played instruments. I, I played piano and I played the clarinet and my sister was a violist my, and a violinist and my brother uh, played piano. And <laughs> my dad was always trying to find uh, sheet music for this weird <laughs> trio of instruments. Uh, and he would find, he found some things that were actually pretty cool. Um, but yeah, and then... Uh, at some point, I can't remember when exactly my dad brought home uh, a guitar. It was just a classical. And I, I, I still to this day don't even know why he had it. All I know is it was new and it smelled really good. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and, yeah, and I started picking sounds out on it. And uh, uh, before I knew it, I was, I, was pretty, I was playing it pretty well. And then I begged for an electric guitar and then I was ruined forever. <laughs> uh, and I started performing probably when I was in high school and and here I am. I have crazy studio and probably too many in- more instruments than I should have. But um, but yeah, that's and I've been writing music, um, geez, now for twenty plus years, um, and uh, recording folks for non- about ten or fifteen years of that. Uh, I have a pretty well equipped studio in my house. That's all. Yeah, I was, I was, I was scouting it out. I'm not going to lie. Cause so yeah. I'm actually in the process of planning on building a home studio. So I was like, Ooh, Ooh, what yeah. you got in there? Yeah, I, some, I don't know. I, I just, I got super picky, you know, like uh, after it, and that just happens after a while you, you get, you get kind of picky. You just keep refining. refining. Well, especially yeah. with recording, like there's so many little if you want like certain sounds, there's little pieces of equipment you need to buy because my brother yes. does a lot of recording. And so you can't just have like an interface. 
and plug in a guitar. If you want that guitar to have a certain sound, then you got to get a compressor. Then you got to get, you know, a power drive. You have to get all these different steps to really, right. it's, it, it's, it's a very finite, like really, you know, really, yeah, you have to know what you're doing equipment wise when it comes to those I, things. I, I think so. And I think you, you develop, I mean, you, you have certain tastes, right? Behind you just, Mm-hmm. There are certain guitars probably that you like, you know, there's a microphone that you know you like to use when you're playing live, probably. Uh, and I think we're all like that. And I'm like that here in my studio. There's there's certain guitars that I automatically gravitate towards. Um, and there's certain pedals that I probably use all the time and certain sure. sounds that I use constantly uh, in my in my sampler. So yeah, it's just what's whatever it is that you like and what you're, what you're drawn to is what you end up using the most. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I actually have some sound engineer questions, which I am very excited to talk about because we very seldom get to talk to sound engineers. So <laughs> I'm pretty stoked about it, but there's one question I have to ask before it. Cause I think it explains my other questions. So okay. going onto your music and as you were kind of talking about your family history, like it's, clicking and making more sense but you have like a lot of genres that I think are really cool that you kind of mix and cover and make your own sound with and um thank you yeah so I'm curious was there like I doubt you know a set goal in mind for creating that sound but was there like elements where you're like I really love this this is something in jazz I really wanted to incorporate more and see what it sounded like rock you know I I mean I I love all kinds of music um, I think for this particular record, you know, especially when you're uh, by yourself because of the pandemic, you, you know, I would come down here and, and pull out certain things. Uh, I would record, you know, the the basic tracks for something. And um, on my record, on my new record, there's a lot of string parts and those are all me. Um, just samples that I used here because I was raised on classical music, like I, t- like I just told you. Mm-hmm. And I love the sound of really close, intimate strings because that's the sound that's in my head when I think of strings because it's my sister and her goofy friends playing in our living room, you know, (laughs) Uh, the Trout or Mozart or whatever the heck they were playing. And and that is the sound that I hear, you know, and then I put on my record too. So, so yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I love all kinds of different things and I, I do play jazz too I love jazz I love I love standard singers like Ella Fitzgerald and yeah. you know Diana Krall and folks like that um but yeah I, I love everything really I love country music I love I love hard rock I love metal I, I love it all I really that's do. awesome and I, I love when people like I said kind of mix genres like they kind of take from everything classical is like a great background I think people like kind of throw oh it's just classical like but you learn so much about music theory musicality from it and song structures that these guys have perfected so i i think that's really cool yeah and you and the other thing about classical if you studied classical and you're raised learning classical music you practice in a certain way right right you're just so repetitive and uh and exacting when it comes to classical music like there's there is the right way to play, you know, half notes, whole notes, whatever, and and how to string that stuff together. And there are, um, and that 
that definitely carries on over into my recording and my songwriting. I, I want to make sure I get things right. I drive bands that I work with, like musicians that I hired to play with me, probably drive them a little crazy because I make them do it over and over and over again until I get yeah. the way I want it to sound. I mean, that's that that's the classical approach. I mean, with piano, like my piano teacher was like, you, you take the spot you're having trouble with and you have to isolate it to get to get it right. And I that's think that's right. Yeah. You know, and as much as it annoyed you and you kept messing up, you walk away from it 10 minutes and all of a sudden you can do it. So classical definitely brings a lot of um, really good music, like you said, kind of approach to practicing. Um, sure. Going on the sound engineer spot, and we, you kind of were talking a little bit about this, but I'm curious from a sound engineer perspective, like how has like the engineering side affected how or has it affected how you approach your music? For sure. Um, I think my my last record, I I started, I, you know, I, I worked with a lot of really good musicians, but I mixed at least a part of that record myself. And I let all these different people sort of mix it. And so it didn't really have a completely cohesive kind of sound when I, when I listen to it now. Mm-hmm. And that's always bothered me. <laughs> it's, I think it's a decent record, right? But it's, it's still, it wasn't totally cohesive. And I think as, as, as the years have rolled by, um, you know, and I listen to certain things, like you, you've got certain records you probably listen to and you go, man, this record sounds great, mm-hmm. right? You listen to something, you go, I want my record to sound like this, <laughs> right? And I absolutely... I absolutely am like that. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I I have a favorite uh, mix engineer. His name's Ryan Freeland. He he works with people like Amy Mann and Bonnie Ritt. Oh, wow. uh, and I and I made it a point to like to actually find him and meet him and you know and and make him my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> force force him into being my friend and, and answer that. all my yeah answer all my damn questions. Um, but you know he has an aesthetic, like a sound aesthetic, that um, that I really appreciate. The guy who mixed my record, he has a similar kind of aesthetic. It's warm and big and intimate kind of sounding. Like all of my, I prefer that versus um, maybe something that's super washy and sounds like in a hall or something like that. I, I mean, there may be a point where I do something like that, but mm-hmm. I I like things to sound sort of intimate. And, yeah. Absolutely. I think like that's also one of my favorite albums. It's one when people think about albums and song placement is a very lost art, unfortunately, because of Spotify algorithms. But as far as for like the best albums are the ones that th- they just flow into the other. Like it's almost mm-hmm. as if you can't tell when one song starts and one song ends. I mean, you can, but you just feel like it just keeps going, like it keeps flowing. There's a cohesiveness to real to me there's cohesiveness to really good albums just out of curiosity what's your favorite one of your favorite records okay stevie wonder songs of songs in the key yes i was just i just ordered that on vinyl i have been looking i have been to so many record stores to find this album on vinyl and i can't where discogs.org and go okay. look up and you'll you'll find people all over the world that are selling it and you'll find one that's in your price range I, i'm doing and it. i i found one good copy of it i think it came from like germany okay i'm pretty sure that's where it came from and i literally arrived like three weeks ago 
Oh, yeah, one of my favorites. I'm so yeah, jealous. That's, that's such a great record. And you know? I think that's a great example when you listen. I mean, it's a double LP, but when you listen to it, especially that first LP, when you listen to it front and back, everything just goes together. Like the way he placed the songs, the way it's mixed, you know, everything just flows one after the other. There, and there's not a bad song on both those LPs. Like not, it, not one. It, it is, it, it's a masterpiece in my book. And there's songs on there that get no radio play and are the smartest, richest musicality songs like uh, Summer Soft and oh, yeah. Knocks Me Off My Feet. Genius, genius composed songs. Yeah, I, you know, and I think I'm pretty sure Stevie Wonder won all kinds of Grammys for that particular record and who knows what else he won. But that, you know, that whole era, you know, from the early 70s to the to the mid mid to late 70s, mm-hmm. that to me is is the really classic uh, best version of Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I, I agree. I think that album is his magnum opus. I mean... I'm sure he will still put out good music, but that is the one when I think of Stevie Wonder, that is the album I think of. Yep. 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 I, uh, yeah. Yep. There's, man, I, it was funny. I, I have a, a friend who was asking, hey, where can I get a copy of, of this record? And I, I said to my husband, and I'm like, because we have a, we've got a pretty, pretty decent vinyl collection. Mm-hmm. And so he keeps track of it actually all online. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, and I asked him, hey, do we have songs in the key of life? And he was like, no, we don't. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's That's wrong. Have... We it's... have to go get that. So, yeah, I ordered that immediately. Yeah. that I'm going to go check out discogs.org. I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. You'll I'm... love it. You'll get addicted. That's that's, that's a problem. <laughs> addicted, too? Oh, yeah. We, we both are vinyl collectors. Yeah, me too. We're uh, it's it's our collection just gets more and more huge all the time. We have two of those huge IKEA. I think there's like six compartments in one shelf. The, and then, the Calyx so shelf that people the Calyx. Yes, <laughs> you know what yes. I'm talking about. I know exactly you know what, what you're talking about. So we have two of those, and they're almost totally full. That's impressive because wow. those things hold they're a almost, lot. They hold a lot, and we have. And we're snobs about audio equipment. So like our record players from the 70s and our, our and all of our gear for listening to vinyl is from the 70s. All that got You're hearing ha- it how it was supposed to be heard. Yeah. Essentially. Exactly. Yep. Man. It's a little softer. It's a little bit warmer. It's not, you know what I mean? And, Absolutely. And the thing about vinyl, and we don't have a CD player up there. And we don't have, you know, we've got a way to plug in an iPhone, but we hardly ever use that because the expectation with that system up there is that you're going to listen to the album from beginning to end, or at least one side of it, mm-hmm. in the order that it was intended by the artist, which is mm-hmm. what we, we think is the right way to listen to music. So I agree with that. I go in order yeah. on an album. Yeah, me too. The, so. I mean, this is fine, the, the whole phone thing, and going, oh, it's a song I want to listen to, and looking up lyrics and, and listening to it. But there's there's really kind of no... <clears throat> There's, there's something about like opening up songs in the key of life that double gatefold right mm-hmm. and looking at all the stuff while you listen to it and thinking about uh 
thinking about what the artist was thinking when they said, you know, in the case of Stevie Wonder, he didn't see his album design or anything, right? But, <laughs> but, but probably giving instructions and saying, hey, I want it to look really warm and I want it, this is what I envision kind of on the cover and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was a whole package. It was a whole experience. And I think yeah, with vinyls, you know, you know, like vinyls is just really good. And I think that's why it's preserved so well or at least has had a revival over the past 10 years yeah it's crazy right it I, is I have, I have friends who own record stores in this town and man they were in so much trouble like 10 years ago and now they're now doing booming. incredibly well mm-hmm. now it's booming yeah it's booming. and now cassettes are coming back which is just not the same experience as <laughs> it's fun it brings me back but it's not quite the same experience as a vinyl for me Personally. No, it's it, it's not. But then you have my husband is my husband's a deadhead. Oh, nice. We did a Grateful Dead episode. <laughs> oh, you did? Yes. Uh, I, I well, I'll tell I'll tell the listener. I'm not myself a deadhead, but he is a deadhead. And for a long time, he was a collector of tapes because that's that's yeah, the way the you tapes shared shows. out right. Yeah, that was the way you shared shows. You you'd find somebody online who said, you know what, I have this this bootleg of this show from 1974 you know this is when i don't know i'm making it up but this is when brent was whatever yeah you know the keyboard <laughs> player was particularly high that day and, and so they sound amazing and they're writing this all in small print on the cassette yeah <laughs> i play this game with my husband all the time when we're driving so we'll listen to the grateful dead uh station on xm radio right mm-hmm. and i'll hide so we'll play it's all live shows mostly so I will hide whatever's on the screen, right, on, in my car. And I'll ask him, all right, what year and what month? And he gets within wow. like a couple of months. He knows it's uh, the dead so well. But That's crazy. The deadhead community <laughs> is so interesting to me. And we covered it? it a little bit. Because it's like, like you said, it's live. It's tapes, how people, and they never played the same set twice. And... um which McCall, there's like a whole hierarchy in the deadhead community. And I'm there just is. like, I, it is a whole other form of fandom that is just, it, it's so fascinating. It is. It really is. And my, you know, every, <laughs> my husband still makes me mixtapes, which is of their CDs. Oh, that's adorable. Right? Or, or I know and every once in a while he'll try and give me another Grateful Dead mix. <laughs> Hoping, just in case hoping, hoping this time this time yeah it'll work this I time this is her. the one this is the one. this is the one <laughs> i love that that's so cute it hasn't, it hasn't worked yet but you know i don't i don't automatically switch the radio off you know if the dead come on well so, there you go that's there that's, you go yeah that's that's a high compliment to a musician that is it, it truly yeah. is <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about your new album, The Year of okay. the Locusts, which is a really fun... Okay, where did the title come from? Because I think that's really fun and unique. So I, there's a line in, I think, the second song, uh, which is all about this person who's uh, living in New York, uh, but they're transplanted. You know, they moved from Ohio to New York, and while they're in New York, everything about their life goes, goes totally wrong, right? Yes. Um, and they go to look up in the almanac when the locust, the, the year of the locust is coming back. Because they make a reference to that. Like, is it really a long time from now? Or because that may be the time when 
you start to be a better person, this other person mm. in their life. And so it's really, it, what that's really about, uh, I used that particular line because I was thinking about all the things that were going wrong with the world, uh, you know, especially with, with, uh, with COVID and even before that, with right. what was happening pol- politically and socially in this country. You know, and it's the idea of um, how sometimes you need to destroy uh, in order to rebuild. That's that's smart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense. So that was kind of like the goals, would you say, around your songs on that album is kind of following that theme? Yeah, I think more than anything that the, the album is about. It's about having love for people who may not necessarily deserve <laughs> uh, our love and attention, you know, um, whether we want to or not. Sometimes you just can't legislate who, you're, who you love, um, whether it's romantically or family or mm-hmm. friend, right? Sometimes we love people who are really flawed uh, mm-hmm. and we have to accept them that because all of us are that, right? We're all flawed in some way. Um, and it's just recognizing that, like every single song is is about is about somebody who's got some serious who's got issues. <laughs> I think the very first song is about that friend who comes to town, and I made the story up. People keep asking if it really happened, but it did not. The friend who comes to town, and at Christmas time, right? All your friends come back to town during the holidays, mm-hmm. but makes you but makes you go down to midnight mass and then steal all the midnight mass money so you can go buy drugs with it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oof. that's a dolly parton-esque tale yeah. <laughs> uh, but i love i love that song you know because it's the idea is like is there's sometimes we're waiting for those people to come back yeah. even though even though they might be kind of bad news like oh good you're back in town because there's something about your interaction with them that you understand each other that you mirror each other right there's a recognition there and that's yeah. really what the rec- the record is about. I love that. And I love that song Back in Town because you have that really cool like blues interludes throughout throughout it. It's it's ah. really fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I love that song. And would you say, so this is a tough question, but I do like asking it. If you had to show someone one song and be like, this describes who I am as an artist. It could be on this record or it could be on anything else you recorded. What would that song be? Oh, it's probably No Answers, which is the oh, single. Oh, that's a good one. The single off the record. Um, it's the most indicative of like all my kinds, of, all the different kinds of music that I would potentially put into a song. There's uh, there's a slide guitar in there. There's a there's a pedal steel, like so it's a country influence. There's there's huge uh, orchestral strings at the end of it, right? That are very classical. In the middle of it, you've got a person playing a lot of there's a lot of arguably jazz chording through the whole song um and then it has this very pop kind of beetle influence too like yeah i totally i the song i was thinking of when i wrote that was um uh johnny nash's i can see clearly now you know that mm. song yep right yep. i can see clearly now the rain is gone right? i can and it has that. this inc- it has the incredible this incredible uh um, bridge in it and I was thinking I want to I need to learn a song that's got a great bridge and so that's that's that song I love that so as we enter well we're kind of already in 2022 
it feels like we're just entering it, but we're kind of in the thick of it, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. um, any like shows or extra singles on the horizon or? Yeah. So, uh, so the, my, uh, my PR folks and, uh, the team are working on my tour for this, uh, this summer. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So That's exciting. We're trying to figure out all of that stuff. Um, I've got some some other interactions, some other podcasts that I'm going to be on. I'm doing a a live performance for um, for I think for a microphone company, which I'll name at a later date. <laughs> That's so uh, cool. Yeah, they invited me to come down and and, and record using all of their microphones. <gasps> That's cool. super nerdy and. Which is super nerdy it. and awesome. I know, right? <laughs> so, um, so there's that, uh, and then I think what I'm going to do is, you know, it, I'm not going to tour a ton this year, but at least a little bit, uh, and then get to get get to work on probably some more music. Awesome. Well, if you're coming to Virginia, hit us up. Yeah, we will Absolutely. come out and see you. How far are you guys from William and Mary? Because my niece goes to school there. Uh, about three hours. Three yeah. hours. So you're far. A little far. Are you north? Uh, south. We're like an hour south, north of south, North Carolina border. Southwest. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Right but is it Williamsburg right now? It is. It, it is. was. 75. It was nice. It was nice. Uh, before I turn it over to Leah for our lightning round questions. Oh, okay. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Spotify, on Apple Music, at my website. Uh, alisanicholas.com um, on Bandcamp. Oh my gosh, I'm everywhere. Amazon, you name it. I'm I'm on the streaming service. All my records are there. Um, yeah. Sweet. Leah? I, and I'm in the usual places. Instagram, uh, Twitter, you know, all those things uh, that uh, I'm all, terrible at. All the socials. <laughs> Alisa all Nicholas. All the socials. Hook, you got to right, everywhere. Folks. That's right. You got to. All right. Lightning round. Okay. What? What color is your toothbrush? Pink. It's the <laughs> early 2000s and you just got your new Razer phone. What are you setting as your ringtone? Whatever the default was. It's not, <laughs> not a fun tone. <laughs> All right, you yeah. have to pick a song to set as your ringtone. Oh, a song is my ringtone. Um, probably something by the Beastie Boys. You know, ooh, that's a that's good, a good ringtone. <laughs> it's so funny now we like cringe if our phone makes a noise. I know it's true. <laughs> what was your call me. <laughs> favorite album to come out in twenty twenty one? Lightning round. I probably Amy Man, her new one, uh, the Southern Hotel the queens of the summer summer hotel amy mann amy mann queens i don't of the know summer much hotel. about amy mann so i'm writing her down as well she's awesome she's a great songwriter nice. we'll check it out yeah if you this is our, our signature question that we ask everyone on our show if you were a cereal what would you be and why probably lucky charms because they're magically delicious it's a great uh, answer. <laughs> and there are so many different colors, right? And it's just a flavor explosion when you eat it. And it's probably <laughs> terrible for you. Definitely. 
you know, sometimes things just got to taste good. Don't got to worry about the long term. (laughs) Here for a good time, not a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lisa, this has been such a fun chat. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's been super fun. It was wonderful to meet both of you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at shioraku.com. There you can find links to our socials, the show notes, and you can reach out to us and contact us. And remember, don't do drugs. Okay. Here's a bonus question that I asked her after we finished the show show, but it was so good. I wish I asked it in the interview, but I'm going to go ahead and include it here. You all got to listen. My sound engineer friends, you'll know what's up. You'll want to hear this. Do you have any tips and tricks from a song engineering getting started? I was going to ask it from like a, you know, up and coming, like we have a lot of younger musicians that are like, they like to record in their, you know, home studios on GarageBand. So the the first thing I would say is I would rather have a great musician than the greatest gear, right? Um, like you can put a zillion great microphones and have the purest signal chain in front of a very expensive drum kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the player comes in and sounds like trash, it's going to yeah. sound like trash. So don't worry about your gear so much. You can start to pick away at that the more that you want to and the more your resources allow but otherwise use what you've got you, like if you have an iphone you've got garage band on there i know people yeah. that record huge amounts of music just with their phone wow right um and if you're just trying to get song ideas now like even though i've got all of this stuff here i'm most like song ideas i record into my iphone right because yeah. it's in the moment and so, so you use those things and you try not to let all of this get in the way of trying to ideate something right. great, right. which can happen, right? I have all this crap it's, here. It's so tempting to just like, well, I don't have this professional finish. I don't have this. And what it does, it stalls a lot of people from even getting anything out. You know what I'm saying? So that that's definitely good advice. And I, I might cut that in there. Cause I definitely wanted to ask that question, Yeah, but yeah. If your song has good bones, right. If your song has good bones, good melody, good beat, you can always go, you can always go back. That's the beauty of recording now. Right. Yeah. You can record anywhere. Um, you don't have to worry you, about you tape anymore. <laughs> you don't have to worry about tape anymore. Um, but yeah, you get the bones of it. Good. Like, like these days I make sure that it sounds perfectly fine if I play it by myself on a guitar or the piano because if that doesn't work then it's not gonna work anywhere else do you know what I mean absolutely right like yeah like I think of the Beatles song yesterday that's really all I mean there's strings and other stuff on it too but but it's really just Paul McCartney and his acoustic guitar